Uh, it's hard to believe that we are already approaching or that we're in week four of this class, right? So we only have uh, after today two more sessions to go. So things are moving uh, very quickly. Um, but I hope that it's been helpful so far, right? Just to give a, a brief review, this class on biblical justice is trying to break down and understand what does the scripture say about the nature of justice? And from there, how can we as believers have these uh, more difficult, complex conversations on these issues, right? Breaking down um, how, you know, sometimes the way that we can talk about hard subjects is very sort of, um, you know, it's oversimplified. And so we want to know all of the principles about what scripture really has to say. How do we think through these kind of complex topics? And um, thank you for everyone who's been here for the last three weeks, right? If you were remembering, we said the first three weeks is really trying to set the foundation for how do we think about justice in general, right? How do we have hard conversations in general? And then these last, these last three classes are going to be breaking down on specific topics. So uh, really my goal for today, and as we're going to see for the next couple of weeks, is that I do have some material for us to consider. Again, some principles related to each of these topics that we're discussing. But I really wanted to leave uh, more time than normal for group discussion. Because as we said, the hope is that, especially from last week, we've looked at some of the general principles to consider on how we as Christians can disagree well. And then now I would love to be able to have that conversation. You know, I'm hearing your guys' thoughts, questions that you have. Uh, maybe as someone has brought up a, a principle or topic, maybe you're thinking about another angle to consider. And, and again, as we said last week, we can charitably love one another and disagree well as we make sure that we're staying focused on what scripture actually has to say. So just to give an overview, we start off the class trying to define justice. And again, we said we want to make sure our understanding of that topic is grounded in what God has to say. It's grounded in the character and the nature of who God is. It's not just defined however we want to define it. Uh, it's very much connected to righteousness and holiness, right? It is an aspect of God's character and therefore to be unjust is a form of sin. Um, but as we were saying, the definition alone does not tell you how to think about every single issue. Uh, the second class, we were trying to understand how do you apply justice in the New Testament era? So knowing that most of the references and the, the Mosaic law is written in the Old Testament period, how is that different now that we are in the New Testament under Christ? We're not bound to the Mosaic law and all of the specific laws and commands that you see. And so uh, the way that we understood it, uh, the way that we understood that is that Christ has indeed fulfilled the law, but insofar as the Old Testament shows us the character of God, everything in terms of the importance of being just still applies to us as believers. Uh, we saw how as uh, the New Testament church, our focus as the local churches is on the proclamation of the gospel, the importance of disciple making and everything from evangelizing to baptizing, then teaching in every aspect of how to conform to Christ. That is our main mission as a local church. But how do we take all of those things together? That means that Christians must be just and desire that justice is upheld in general. But we know that justice is not our mission, right? It's never going to be the one driving force that every believer must pursue. And it's not going to be the one thing that a church must pursue. Therefore, we understand that there is a difference between a Christian can do and then must do. So in Christian liberty, as God convicts each of us differently, as we prioritize certain things in our quote unquote free time, what is it that a believer can choose to focus on and do versus what is the Bible saying every believer must engage in this type of work? Uh, that's just one level of clarification that we need to hear. Then looking at um, 
Yeah, so then we mentioned uh, as we were wrapping that up, one of the reasons that many people have different uh, understandings or, or convictions on particular issues, even if we have the same understanding of what the Bible says, is there are still three types of questions you can ask about understanding different conversations that we're having, right? First of all is the historical question. So regardless of what you're identifying as being truly biblical, you do need to ask yourself, well, what actually happened? as you're looking at historical matters, what's taken place in our country or other countries, um, that's one element in which people will disagree. Then based on how people are interpreting different events, you will have the question of was what was done actually right? Right? Already, if you're seeing history in different uh, vantage points, people aren't gonna always agree. And then of course, the ethical question, what should we do about it, if anything? Then last week, uh, we were trying to break down, again, those general principles of dialoguing well in disagreement. And we talked about how, in general, believers want to make sure that we're living out these four uh, main general categories of Christ-likeness, that we do need to be truthful in everything that we're saying. So, of course, biblically truthful, number one, but in general, right, affirming what is objectively true as truth as found is in God. Uh, but also we want to be loving as well, right? So the way that we have conversations, the way that we want to say what's truthful doesn't need to be unnecessarily harsh, uh, but showing the same love and tenderness of Christ. Uh, in our conversations of disagreement, we want to make sure that we are exhibiting true Christ-likeness or holiness. And so, again, it's breaking down all the specific characteristics of love in that when you're dialoguing, you don't want to be uh, fighting the person, talking down on the person, being prideful, all of those things in which we have to guard our hearts and check our hearts when we're having conversations. And then the main goal too is understanding the unity and maintaining the unity that we have in Christ. In other words, right, if you're disregarding what's truly orthodox and teaching a heresy, that is reason for division, right? And Christians do need to and want to uphold what is biblically true and know the difference between what is orthodox Christianity and then something like a cult group. At the same time, we understand that when it comes to some secondary matters or tertiary matters, that's not the gospel, not the primary things in which all of us must agree to, we understand that there can be charitable differences on matters that are not clearly black and white and or necessary for salvation. So those were the general motivations. Uh, then we looked at a number of specific practical principles, right? And you can go on forever and ever to think through uh, more of these, but these were just some that uh, came to mind that I've used in some conversations I've had, and a number of different Christian authors have mentioned uh, to different degrees, again, summarizing a lot of people. Uh, discern the category of your difference, and that's, again, what we had just talked about. Is this truly a, uh, you know, tier one orthodox issue or is it something in which godly Christians can disagree? Um, understand that a position is nuanced and that it's complex and not simple. And so when we hear a person make a claim about something, don't overgeneralize everything that they're believing. Understand that there can be different parts of that. Uh, three, we wanna be careful with condemning labels. And so we wanna make sure that we're not unnecessarily slandering people that don't deserve uh, you know, something that we're saying if it's not truly sinful or bad. We saw the importance of not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, which again, I still, I, I shudder every time I read that. Just try to say, you know, when you're hearing a position, don't assume everything that they're saying is bad because part of it is bad. We want to be discerning. So understand, even in a position that you mostly disagree with, what are the aspects that we can affirm as being God-honoring and true? 
Um, we want to understand the proper place of personal experience. That is, you don't hyper-focus on experience and that I've had this experience, therefore this is true for everyone in all time, but we also don't want to disregard it completely in the sense that we're being callous to people's real lives and hurts uh, and their stories. And then lastly, it's important to be discerning with statistics. So, uh, and we'll talk about this a, li a little bit later today. We know that it's not that statistics are never true, right? It's not that whenever someone brings up a number, you can instantly say, well, you probably cherry picked that and therefore I don't have to listen. It's just the reality that when you are looking at stats and saying this number of people or this happened, uh, you can technically you know, uh, finesse numbers however you want to come up with a conclusion that you would want as well. So we don't disregard it completely, but we do want to be discerning in the way that we use those. And so hopefully, I, I know most of us were here for the, the first three sessions. That sets a really great foundation for what we're doing in these next couple of conversations, um, because now we're gonna start going through some case studies, looking at specific topics that tend to be those quote unquote hot button issues. And uh, the way that we're gonna break it down, as you see on your sheet, is looking at some of those universal agreements, first of all, so the different principles and truths that all of us should be able to agree with. Uh, and then I think the second category I have listed there as the, uh, what did I call it? The unhelpful extremes. So what are the ways in which for going too far on one side or the other tend to either be unhelpful and or unbiblical. And then thirdly, we're gonna look at the understandable disagreements. So specifically on today's topic about the nature of what's called criminal justice or injustice. Um, the nature of what's called race issues or racial harmony, what are the areas in which people can disagree and why? And then, like I said, the hope is to leave even extra time at the end of our conversation to say, okay, we've laid the foundation over the last three weeks. Here are some general principles. We'll love to dialogue together, hopefully in a Christ-honoring type of way. So hopefully we know where we're going and we can all enjoy that together. Okay. So when we're thinking about you know, criminal injustice or any of these uh, case study topics, right, where we're moving away from what does scripture explicitly say to so how do we apply it and live it out in particular specific things, we know that this is now we're trying to work in principles of wisdom and discernment in which Christians are gonna disagree. Um, when I was thinking about this topic in particular, there was this quote from Albert Einstein that came to mind, which has been used on this topic a lot. He once said this, Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results, right? And so I, I think when it comes to some of these types of conversations, whether you're hearing from CNN or Fox News or different types of groups that are talking, you'll hear certain principles from either side that are basically just said at the other side saying, this is what's true and you're wrong, right? And then you know, over the last couple of years, you'll hear those same talking points said over and over again, and we just recognize that through that, um, people are never gonna be able to have a, a better level of conversation, right? It's not actually helping um, either people understand where we're coming from or uh, trying to understand where they're coming from uh, if we're just trying to shout certain talking points. And so we wanna be uh, discerning and charitable in the way that we really wanna have these harder conversations here. So to start us off, uh, we have these sets of universal agreements in which hopefully all believers should be able to um, affirm all of these statements. I'll have a Bible verse for each of us, uh, for each of them that we can reference. So the first one, as you see here, all people deserve equal treatment before the law. Right? Many passages you can go to. One is Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. 
And so this is something that you know, is being stated as, as true. It says, whoever sheds the blood of men, by man shall his blood be shed. So that sense of justice or uh, you know, punishing those who do wrong. And then it says, for God made man in his own image. So remember when we talked a couple weeks back about what it means that we are in the imago Dei or uh, human beings are in the image of God, we are not just mere animals, as some people would say those in the evolution camp. There's something unique about human beings in that we are the reflection of the nature and the character of God. And so there's an inherent dignity to being made a human being that other animals or the animals do not have. And so what you're seeing in that verse and many others as you break down into the Mosaic law is that it's the fact that we are indeed made in God's image, which means that all of us must be treated properly or justly. So that's one general affirmation. And the second one is that uh, authority figures should be respected. Right? God has instituted various forms of authority or government for our good and for his purposes. So uh, we have Romans 13, verse 1 and verse 2, a very famous, helpful passage on this topic. It says this, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, right? The sense of saying, I will submit myself to the authorities. It says, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment, right? So after hearing all of the wonderful uh, theology that we've heard in, in chapters 1 through 11 of Romans, and he goes into 12 to 16, breaking down various applications of these truths, we hear that one of these helpful truths is the importance of respecting and listening to the authority figures, right? That the government is established by God, for the purposes of allowing order and morality to be done. That doesn't mean that every single nation or every single, every single government is the same in terms of its uh, reflection of God's righteousness, but government as a whole is meant for that purpose, to establish what is true, uphold what is just and righteous and what is good. And so we know that uh, you know, authority figures must be respected. At the same time, we see that lawbreakers should be punished for breaking what is a, a right or just law. And so continuing on in Romans 13, you hear in verse 3 to verse 4. It says, For rulers are not a terror for good conduct, but too bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Right? So just affirming again the, the purpose of authority or rulers of having just laws and being willing to punish uh, wrongdoers is to uphold what is good and what is righteous. And so that's what's being mentioned here, that lawbreakers will be punished for breaking what are supposed to be just and righteous laws. The last truth, which all of us should be able to understand in the context of criminal justice or injustice, is that we also understand that all people are sinners capable of partiality, right? So we also want to uh, be wary of the fact that we're all flawed people. We are all sinners. We're not going to always get things right. Sometimes it could be by mistake. Other times it could be intentional, right? And so one passage that talks about partiality, I think a lot of us are familiar with this, is James chapter 2 verse 1 to verse 4. And here's what it says. My brothers, 
Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? All right, so this is the warning. Uh, even as Pastor Rich was referencing, James is a letter all about the fruit of our salvation, right? The importance that once you're saved, it's not that you can live however you want, but we're called to live out the fruit of, of true salvation and Jesus abiding in us. And so one of the areas in which Christians and non-believers too can fall into is the sin of partiality. In this case, we understand that it's around the nature of wealth, that our tendency can be that we elevate people who um, look wealthy, maybe they have more resources or they can give you something. Uh, we want to be careful that we're not doing that, but we see all people as being uh, equal and the same. And so the danger here is, of course, that we can see that people are sinners capable of partiality, but one of the extensions then in this conversation around criminal injustice is that people can also, uh, you know, even use positions of authority or influence in partial ways to do that, which is sinful. Um, can anyone think about any cases that we see in scripture uh, where a different person used a, a position of authority to do something that was wrong? King Ahab in the vineyard. Uh, okay. Do you want to share that story? Hopefully everybody already knows the story, but um, King Ahab sees a vineyard belonging to a man named Naboth, and he throws a temper tantrum because it's not his. He's very, you know, he, he behaves like a child who wants a toy, only on a much grander scale because he's a king and he wants a whole vineyard. Then, uh, with the counsel of his evil wife Jezebel, he um, then, you know, he, he approaches Naboth and try and buy the vineyard, and Naboth says, no, I'm not going to give up the vineyard. This is my inheritance from my father. And Naboth views the vineyard as his uniquely to keep and care for. And Ahab throws a temper tantrum and behaves like a child. And then his wife, um, being the um, being the sort who, you know, um, who is wicked and, uh, and cunning, counsels him to stage a sham trial where then Naboth can be condemned and put to death and then Ahab seizes the vineyard unopposed. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that's a great example and uh, yeah, that was... The, yeah. I love how you started it off with the, well, I don't know if I can know the story. So that, that, that's a very good summary, yeah. Um, and, and also, I think we're all familiar, right? That's where you have uh, the very derogatory term of being a Jezebel, right? It comes from that, not just that story, but everything about who Jezebel was in the Bible, being very wicked and unrighteousness. And yeah, that was one of the very sad parts of it. Yeah. Tell what happens to Jezebel. Do you want to share what happens to Jezebel? <laughs> Let me see. I think she fell out of the window and got eaten by dogs. Yes, yeah. So it's... Uh, well, I don't want to say poetic justice because all that comes from, right, God's righteous judgment. But uh, yes, very gruesome tale. And uh, the Old Testament has lots of stories like that, too. So, okay, yeah, so that's definitely one example there. Um, any other stories that come to mind? Yeah. David and Uriah and Bathsheba. Okay, yeah. Um, can you share a little bit of a story? 
<laughs> Would you want, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, okay, um, sure, but in, 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 maybe to summarize it in general, right, it's that David um, you know, slept with Bathsheba, obviously getting her pregnant, and then David wanted to cover up his sin, you know, chose to use his influence to say, hey, I've tried once or twice to get um, Uriah to then sleep with his wife. It didn't happen because he's such a noble man of God who says, if my comrades are fighting in battle, how on earth could I go and enjoy, you know, these, or these earthly pleasures? Um, and then so David, recognizing that it's going to be found out, tells, you know, his captain to say, well, I just want you to send him off, you know, to the wolves, basically, right? The hardest part of the fight, withdraw so he would then die, right? So he used the influence that he had for a, a sinful action. Um, we understand at the same time, David is known as a man after God's own heart, and we'll talk about the principle a little bit. So, yes, we don't then say he is evil for all of eternity, but we do recognize, hey, that is a, that is a real sin. That, that, that's a real evil and injustice, yeah. Uh, any other stories that you can think of? Yeah, and that's fine if not, but I, I think these are already two helpful examples that we see. So thinking through these principles, obviously authority, government, law is all set up for good purposes, right? God in general affirms that. We do understand that living in a fallen world, people can either intentionally or unintentionally uh, use their authority or their power for wrongdoing. So those are hopefully some universal agreements that all of us can generally affirm. Uh, let's look at some of the unhelpful extremes around these conversations. So this is specifically around these you know, topics around criminal injustice over the last couple of years where uh, you hear of uh, certain people being shot or police officers abusing their authority, leading to questions of, what do we think about this, right? Is this a sign that the whole system is corrupt? Is this a sign that nothing is corrupt? Um, as believers, how should we think about this? And I, I wanted to write this as sort of a parallel contrast. It's not that these are always on the exact opposite extreme, but they do help us to think about some of the extremes we can fall into. So the first uh, set of extremes is to either try to defund the police unconditionally or defend the police unconditionally. And so let's think about those two. Uh, on the one hand, right, in light of some of the uh, events that have taken place in our country over the last couple of years, there are those that have said uh, police are evil, right? The authority system is evil and we need to abolish it all. That's where that idea of defund the police comes from. Uh, now, to be careful, not everyone that uses that phrase means we want to defund them entirely, or some people use it to say those departments that are corrupt, right? You don't want to support or fund that. Um, but that's one unhelpful extreme where we say, I see what's going on, therefore abolish the entire system and we'll um, have basically lawless practices, which um, have happened in some uh, states and typically not worked out very well. Um, on the other hand, um, we also don't want to defend the police unconditionally. Now, to be careful and to clarify, I'm not saying we should not defend police in general, right? Let me be very clear about that. Um, but the sense of doing it unconditionally, the sense of saying, no matter what things I hear, no matter what accusations are being brought, I believe in our authorities, right? So how on earth could you say something that would put a person or a department or a group uh, in a negative light? And again, that's not saying that we don't affirm and value those that are uh, carrying out the law and protecting our country, and in different parts of the world we do, 
but we also understand that being charitable, being wise and discerning, we never want to be at the place in which we're saying, you know what, they're always going to be right at any time there's an accusation that's proof of someone being evil or being wicked. Um, so again, there's the, the level of balance there. You know, the truth is sometimes somewhere in the middle. You don't want to fall into either of those extremes. Um, another one, uh, again, the, this isn't a perfect parallel in that they're exactly on the opposite sides of conversations, but it shows us some of the, the similar extremes we can fall into. Uh, on one category, you have those that say, just preach the gospel, right? And again, th this can come from a number of different hearts and motivations. So I'm not saying that the phrase itself is wrong, but for those that hear about certain uh, grievances or concerns from members of a church or people, and they say, you know what? Our focus should only be to make disciples, right? So that's the only thing we'll talk about. These other concerns you have, don't mention it at all. And uh, hopefully, as we've been listening the last couple of weeks, it's not that we can't ever talk about other issues than the gospel. Of course, there's all the applications of scripture that we saw. And if justice is indeed a theme, there is a right way of talking about those types of topics. The question, of course, is, is what you're talking about truly biblical or unbiblical, right? And we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But we don't want to be so over-focused that we say, well, unless I see an exact chapter and verse of Scripture, never mention anything at all, or just evangelize. Because as you see, Scripture says so much about so many different topics. If you go into the Old Testament, you're preaching through a book, there are many uh, principles or characteristics of God that you will hear that aren't just the gospel. Right? So we want to be careful and discerning in how you actually use this, but we want to make sure we're not falling into that extreme. Uh, sometimes the other types of extremes that you hear are people that say things like, repent of your race, right? Where they're saying uh, certain people have done what's evil and what's sinful, therefore all of you must repent as well for um, uh, abetting or you know, conforming to some type of evil that maybe you had no part of doing. Um, and again, I'm not saying that these two statements are on the same parallel in terms of the exact same conversation, but they represent the two types of extremes that we can take. Where as we're making some claims or comments, uh, we're saying something in which there is a, a sense of truth, but the, there can be a lot of aspects depending on the conversations um, that can be wrong or unbiblical. And then so here in our third point of unhelpful extremes, again, uh, we've talked about some of this a little bit. On the one hand, there can be the idea of carelessly endorsing unbiblical organizations, right? So for instance, uh, I think all of us would affirm, you know, going back to that phrase that was used a couple years back, that black lives do matter, right? In that all of us are created in the image of God. We should never try to deaffirm someone's life based on a cultural background or whatnot. At the same time, there's a lot of people that would, you know, say that phrase not understanding that there's an organization called Black Lives Matter um, that very much endorses the abolition of the nuclear family uh, is not just about protecting or, or, or emphasizing that people's lives val are, are valuable, going to everything from LGBTQ identities and all types of other, you know, unbiblical, you know, beliefs. And so we want to be careful that in our desire to make good statements, right, affirm truths like, hey, uh, this group of people that I think maybe are being unnecessarily targeted, um, that is uh, sad, right? And I want to mention that that can be very different if we're not being charitable and discerning to that endorsing, you know, whole organization or paying money to an organization that's uh, 
you know, proclaiming or even preaching very unbiblical ideas. And so we don't want to fall into that extreme. On the other side, right, as we said before, we don't want to ignore people's personal suffering. And so what happens in some of these conversations is we'll see what some groups are doing in which it is very much, uh, you know, wrong or sinful. Going back to that organization, BLM, right, a lot of the ideas that they're endorsing are truly anti-biblical. Uh, maybe you see that people are doing things like uh, rioting in the streets and destroying businesses, right? Things that we would say all, are also unrighteous and unjust and wrong. But then because we see what some people are doing that support a certain idea, to then say, hey, again, talking about what we hit last week, everyone that has that same idea is also believing all of that too, right? And, and I don't want to hear anything that you're saying because uh, you're, you're just affirming that organization or that movement or that group. And it might have just been a person that said, you know what, um, I know that I've been um, racially targeted, or I know that I've had this real experience of hurt from a person in authority that maybe it was motivated by, you know, partiality, maybe it wasn't, I don't know, but I just know that I've personally uh, suffered. And then it's, it would be unhelpful and I would say even wrong for us to say, no, 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 you know, you're representing this worldview that I think is, is sinful and wrong. Therefore, I don't, I don't want to listen to what you're saying. And so we want to be careful on both of those sides. As, you know, as we're thinking through what's biblically true, we're thinking through how do we discern some of these events that have happened over the last couple of years or decades and will continue into the future. Uh, we want to avoid those extremes. So don't endorse something that's clearly unbiblical. On the other side, we don't want to ignore someone's personal suffering. And then here's kind of the fourth category. Uh, you know, the one extreme can be ignoring the sins of past heroes, but then, and maybe this isn't the best phrase, but refusing to forgive them, right? And I'm not saying in the sense that you look at a person that's um, been done, that's done something in the past and say, hey, I will personally forgive you. Like, that's not the sense I'm using that word, but it's the idea on the, on the second part of saying, hey, I realize that everyone is flawed. And therefore, I'm not going to look at one particular action and characterize everything that they've done in light of that. So what are the, the two sets extremes there? Of course, the first part is the idea of ignoring sins of past heroes, right? So thinking through like a David, for instance, where you can have an individual who uh, maybe was a believer or maybe was just a, a national figure or political figure or just an individual of of a huge renown um, who has done something that's wrong or sinful or evil. And as believers right, who want to uphold what is righteous and good, uh, we need to be able to actually affirm that, right? Not saying that we're going to go out of our way to find every single evil that a person has done, but when it is coming up to our attention and we do recognize that people have done things that are truly uh, sinful or wrong, we do need to be able to say, yes, I recognize that that was wrong and that was sinful. Again, going to the thought of David, for instance, where we see what he did to Uriah. And again, we don't want to make a mistake about it. He was the one that caused that to happen. And that was a real sin. That was a real tragedy, the way that he abused Bathsheba's husband. We don't want to just push that to the side. Uh, when we're thinking about even some of the uh, Christian heroes of the more modern eras, right? This has come up a lot. Uh, whether you think of George Whitefield being one of the greatest uh, preachers in America, who is also one of the biggest proponents to legalize slavery when it wasn't legal in Georgia, right? We don't hear a story like that and say, well, 
ah, that doesn't really matter. You know, I look at what he's done that's been so good. Uh, we want to recognize when uh, something was a true wrongdoing or something was truly um, sinful or evil. And if we're trying to just rationalize or minimize uh, truly sinful or wrong deeds because a person has done great things in quotes, um, that just is not going to be helpful for conversation. And that's a big reason why uh, these conversations become so lopsided of the over extremes. We so generalize that a person can only be a good guy in quotes where everything they did was great and good or they're a bad guy and everything was evil and horrible. We understand that people are flawed and people can be complex, right? So we don't want to disregard or ignore the sins of past people. Then again, on the other side, uh, we don't want to never forgive them, right? Not in the sense that we can personally be the ones that say, uh, Christopher Columbus, I forgive you. You know, we, we can't make those types of comments. But the idea of saying, you know what? Because a person did something that was sinful and that was wrong, um, they are forever condemned. I'm only going to see them as the worst type of scum, and I will never listen to a thing that they ever say or that they do, right? You think about some of the conversations around, um, you know, the Puritans, for instance, in which some of them did own slaves. Again, that's a whole other conversation about what that meant to them, how they treated individuals, all of that. Um, but sometimes where we would see, hey, I don't think it was right for a person, even a, even a believer, to look at another human being and say, you are my property, even if you're treating them well. I don't think that's helpful to then say, because you've done something that was bad in one case, everything that you've written is absolute rubbish and, and garbage, right? And that's why we can affirm, you know what, regardless of what certain people might have done, and we do want to recognize that as being wrong, we also would say, um, you know, if you have something that's truly God-honoring, we don't want to just completely disregard that as well. Right? And so we want to understand that uh, when you look at a person for whatever sin that they've done, you don't disregard everything as a whole. Um, you know, one other uh, maybe example of this that's even further back in time, but uh, John Calvin, right? You know, a well-known pastor and theologian who helped a lot of churches and people understanding the truth of God's sovereignty and salvation and uh, many helpful theological themes. Um, if I'm remembering the, the other theologian correctly, it's, um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Maybe some of you might have known, uh, but there was an individual who had a more heretical type of view. And again, it was good that he was able to defend and show why that position was wrong. Uh, but his answer at the time was to burn the individual at the stake. Okay, that, that's right. Yes, thank you so much for saying that. I need to uh, read that chapter again. Um, right, so again, we would not look and say, you know what, because Michael Servetus was wrong, um, I too agree that he should be burned at the stake, right? Uh, I don't think any of us would affirm that. And so I think we would be right in saying, you know, that position that John Calvin was taking, that too uh, was taking things too far, right? We, we would not be one of those people that say, yes, let's kill everyone who doesn't uh, agree with us. That doesn't mean that we disregard everything that Calvin has taught or shown us what's biblical and what's true, right? We want to be discerning as we hear these different thoughts. And so uh, the way that to kind of summarize this, I didn't have it on your sheet, but it's just the idea that we don't want to oversimplify complex conversations, right? So again, on any of these issues, we're talking today about the nature of what's called criminal justice or injustice or anything over these next couple of weeks or any hard conversation that comes up in the rest of our Christian lifetime. We don't want to oversimplify these types of conversations. 
Um, okay, so these were just a couple unhelpful extremes. You can do a lot more uh, digging as you kind of break that down. So I want to mention just one last section that I think will be helpful for our conversation. And then, like I said, leave more time for us to be able to dialogue together. Um, you know, if you have questions, you can ask those. If you have different points that you want to bring up, uh, pointing back to either what's scripture or ways that Christians can charitably think about these issues, uh, we can bring them up. But first, here are some areas of understandable disagreements. All right, so thinking about the conversation around criminal justice or injustice, whether people are being partial or prejudiced or whatever categories you want to use, um, why is it or in what ways can Christians disagree? Well, here are some areas, first of all. Um, it's going to be the degree of racism today, right? So racism being being uh, partial to different groups of people for whatever that reason may be, a cultural background, the, the nation that they're from, all of that. Uh, it could be for a number of different reasons, but believers can disagree on how prevalent that is uh, in general, right? We're not going to all fall exactly in line there. Uh, likely then, too, uh, you can also disagree on the degree of police abusing authority, right? I'm not trying to say all of us must say everyone is unjust and wrong and evil, or there's never been an abuse in the history of, of our country, right? We don't want to take those positions, but believers can disagree charitably and have those conversations and arguments around whether or not that's happening, and if so, how much. Part of the reason why is you understand that there's also these two levels of range, right? So we don't want to oversimplify the conversation because there's also the sense of a geographical range for any particular issue that we're talking about. So if you are even saying the idea of, hey, are there people that are abusing their authority? Are you talking about in one particular you know, building or precinct? Are you talking about in a city? Are you talking about in a county or a state or a nation? Um, we can't just say, I've seen one event happen, therefore an entire nation is fully corrupt, right? People, when they're having conversations, can, if, if they're being reasonable, they will break it down on that level, right? What are you actually talking about when you say you've seen an injustice? Are you saying that's representative of the entire system, or are you saying it's a particular individual? And then, too, there's this idea of the historical range. So what I mean by this is that if you go through in our case, right, our country's history, um, do we understand what's taking place in the past? And going back to those layers in which we can disagree, how are we interpreting different events of our nation's history? And then how much of that is a reflection or not of what's happening today? Right, so knowing that we're now in 2023, if there were events of the Civil War in like the 1850s or 60s and how all of that then carried itself out, how much of certain events in the past truly do reflect how we should be interpreting or thinking about events in today's world. And so, again, people are going to have disagreements on these different types of issues or, or based on um, these different factors here. Now, uh, what are some reasons for our disagreements? Um, here's just a couple. It's just a sample, but you can have so many more thoughts. Number one, is specifically around this you know, conversation of criminal injustice and, and what's been taking place over the last couple of years, uh, we recognize that the reality is that police work is really hard. Uh, if you think about the types of situations that people can get themselves involved in, um, where you're trying to protect life and you don't always 100% sure know uh, who you're approaching or what's going on, having to make those types of judgment calls 
in a vacuum are just in general going to be difficult. Um, now, again, you can disagree me. You can disagree with me on this, but I once heard it said that for educators, for instance, um, you know, you go through years and years of training, right? So you have your undergraduate, you have your uh, in your graduate work, you have a credential, all of those things of years of practice. Um, but for sometimes, right, when you're coming into a police force, the amount of training is much less. And therefore, how are you going to expect anyone to be able to be a perfect, um, perfect person in what they're trying to do? So we understand that in general, uh, any type of work in which you're uh, rushing into dangerous situations is going to be, by its very nature, challenging and hard. Uh, at the same time, we recognize that we're living in a world in which events can now be uh, captured on video in ways that it can never be before. And so sometimes you might hear one story from an individual or, or like um, a police department or a person that's saying their side, but then you're seeing a video which just looks bad, right? Or maybe it seems like it's saying something different than what an individual is saying. There could be a number of reasons for that, right? But the reality is we live in a world in which when we see video, again, that could be, that wouldn't always show the full picture, but it does show us something in which people are then making our own judgments. Uh, on the third lay, and I want to be careful about this, we want to understand that we know that authority figures are capable of lying. That does not mean that every single authority figure in every single case is lying, right? We affirm and believe the truth and uh, want to believe the best in what people are saying. What makes these conversations hard is that it's always possible that any of us, right, are capable of knowing something that uh, we, we're saying is untruthful. That doesn't mean that's always the case, right? I'm not trying to say that we disregard everything that a person is saying. That's just the, the truth, right? We are sinners. Any one of us is capable of saying what's not true. Uh, reasons we're going to disagree is that we understand that news will always give a perspective, right? So if you're trying to capture a story, um, depending on your viewpoint, your vantage point, your personal preferences, or um, how you're naturally seeing life, what you're going to focus on can be very different than what another person focuses on. And I, I know we've mentioned this before, but uh, if you have you know, two people, one listens to uh, CNN every single day for five years, another person listens to Fox News every day for five years, you're going to live in completely different worlds, right? You're going to uh, go through life, you know, thinking of completely different ways of seeing things, you know, maybe in one sense you're thinking, well, those chemtrails are going to get me. Uh, the other, you know, you're stepping over every crack. All kinds of, you know, different things. But uh, what we're hearing from different groups of people is always giving a perspective, right? I'm not saying that those individuals aren't wanting to say what's truthful, right? I believe that in most cases they do. But we know that you're only able to share so much in a particular amount of time, right? And so you're sharing a perspective. Like we've said before, when we're having these hard conversations around how much uh, injustice is going on today, um, how much are people being partial or impartial or um, whatever that may be, we understand that statistics can be self-selected, not meaning that we should never use them or ever point to them, but just that we understand that, hey, well, you can hear one set of numbers and say that could be true, but we understand that depending on who you're talking to and where you're doing research, there might be a whole set of numbers or events that tell a completely different story. And then lastly, why are these conversations hard and why will people disagree? Um, we understand that a written law can be different than what's actually practiced in real life. Um, you know, you can think about that even in a church, for instance, right, where maybe on a policy you say um, you must wear 
this outfit, right, where you're um, you know, wearing a belt, you're wearing a certain type of dress shoes, you're wearing a watch, uh, and that's what you know, we're expecting people to do. But then maybe you have a person that comes in with a cast one day, right? And then suddenly everything is hurting. You're not able to wear what you thought would have been the ideal. Um, just because something is written in law doesn't always mean that, therefore, it's going to be practiced every single time. Again, that is the ideal, right? That's what the purpose of law and government is for. Um, but the, the tricky part is sometimes people will say, hey, I see that this law here is saying you can't be partial, right? And there's going to be laws to protect certain people. Therefore, look uh, at the society we're in. And other people might say, I know that this is what's written, uh, but what's actually practiced in our community is different, right? So I'm not trying to make a statement one way or another, but these are the different variables that we have to consider here. Um, these are going to be reasons um, that Christians will actually disagree on this topic here. And so that's um, the main part of what I have for us so far. I was just trying to lay down some general principles and things for us to consider, right? So we understood that in general, we want to affirm these truths from scripture, right? The importance of authority and rule and that it's meant for good to punish those that are wicked to promote in general a righteous society. Uh, we understand that in these particular conversations, there's many directions we can take conversations that just aren't helpful or take things too far. Uh, that we understand that when Christians are going to disagree on some of these conversations, here are the, the ways in which they're going to do it, right? So we, again, don't want to make a type of blanket statement like this country is racist or this country is not racist or police are always good or police are always bad. We understand that it's going to be a variety of cases depending on what you're talking about. And then again, why is this the case? Because the reality is we live in a very uh, blurry world, right? We know what's biblically true, but the way that that's actually lived in our day-to-day -day experience, in your workplaces, right, in our families, we understand that it's not always so clear-cut what's going on. And so this is the part where I love to transition over to the rest of us, right? So my hope in saying those first three classes is to lay the foundation that we are being loving and kind and truthful in how we talk, but... I know that there are real questions and thoughts all of us have on these specific issues, and this is where I would love to hear from all of us here now. So hopefully all of that setup work has been helpful. So we'd love just to hear. Um, there are specific questions that we're thinking through. If uh, you have any particular comment or contribution to um, this conversation that we're having about uh, what you found to be true or helpful, uh, we'd love just to hear from all of us. Yeah, Don. Yeah. When you're a Christian, hmm. uh, I mean, a lot of people like ourselves, we talk amongst ourselves and, and realize that, uh, you know, it's it's not coming from where our worldview is. Hmm. They have a different worldview. And if you ever talk to people that are uh, like atheists, many of them never read the Bible. And hmm. yet they're just going on what they see and feel and hear and think and perhaps are uh, uh, taught by their peers hmm. and want to follow that group think. Yeah. Uh, sort of like what's happening at the universities now with the mosque. 
and the Palestinians uh, all you know going against uh, what the Israelis are doing. So uh, I don't know. I guess I guess the bottom line is, if it's spiritual warfare, we have to look at the bigger picture and see how Satan is influencing people that are coming from that other side, mm. and uh, how we can best honor God in, mm. in dealing with the opposition. Yeah. Okay. No, thank you for sharing that, Don. And maybe a couple parts to that, too. You know, like you're saying, if the main issue is always spiritual warfare, right, that's what we're all engaging in as believers. We understand that, yes, you can have these harder conversations around whatever topics, but the biggest need for anyone, first of all, is going to be Christ, right, is the need to talk about the gospel, no matter how many different perspectives are given and how much different entities are moving in, in one direction or another, what do we most need is the gospel, right? And so we want to make sure that that is what we're emphasizing. Um, I, I know one of the things you had asked there too is, you know, how do we then, you know, have, you know, these types of conversations? I think I mentioned this before, but I would say as a general rule, I'm not saying that it's wrong to do it, but uh, conversations on social media just tend to never be that helpful, right? It's more, let me make my statement. And then someone comes and says, no, my statement's true. Now, my statements, right? And you've probably seen those threads that go 60 comments long on someone's personal wall. You're thinking, what, what is this? You know, uh, Not saying that we should never do that, but we understand the limitations of having those types of short, you know, um, 260 character type conversations. It's so much better when you can actually sit in the room with an individual and say, okay, let me hear your side in its entirety, right? Let me share my perspective. Um, maybe you're clarifying so you realize that there are elements in which you overlap or not, and hopefully, especially if it's a person that's not a believer, you can say, well, you know what I also believe is the most true is this, right, and actually turn the conversation into the gospel. So, yeah, that's helpful. Thank you, Don. Yeah, other uh, comments, questions that we all have together? Yeah, Michelle. Right. Um, this can be applied more or less depending on if we're both submitting to the word of God. Mm. Like you said, those differentiations between like, okay, the degree of something versus if God says it's right or wrong. And mm. you know, if you think abortion's right, then I can't ever support that. Um, mm. And I'm going to say no. And the point, but again, it's going back to that gospel as a church. So I think that's a helpful point to me as I'm listening to you to remember like, yeah. Yes, yeah, very good. And, and if you are talking to a believer, you know, that means you can't have a whole other depth of the conversation there, yeah. right? And hopefully you're, you're understanding, okay, even, let's say you are talking about these issues, we, you know, assuming it's the right understanding of the gospel, we say, okay, we have that foundation, now we can have this harder conversation on this issue. Why do you think that there's more of a degree of X, Y, and Z in one case or not? Um, and actually, along that line, I remember uh, years back, I think this was 2015, 2018, I can't remember exactly, um, I was on one of those comment boards, you know, and uh, debating with another person who was actually a leader in, in the church I was at at the time, and I remember around one of these issues, you know, we were having uh, not at all, you know, heated debates, but, you know, we were trying to be more in-depth in the conversations of, okay, well, what about this element, what about this element, and it seemed like we were very much on different sides, right? I was saying, well, I think there's probably a little bit more, you know, injustice than we realize. I'm not saying we go fully off the, you know, wall. Uh, it seems like you're saying there's none. Help me understand. And what was so gracious of this individual is he eventually said, you know what? 
I would love to take you out for lunch, right? Just whenever it would work for your schedule. And so we did. Um, we had a good, you know, probably hour and a half, two hour conversation. And we realized, right, that what we were saying in short sound bites on Facebook, which seemed like it was, you know, coming from over here, we realized we blurred about this much together in terms of what we actually did affirm. And as you start to clarify, saying, okay, what did you mean by this statement? Oh, okay, I, I also affirm that. Here's what I meant by this statement. Oh, okay, you also agree with this, right? And then you realize that the areas of overlap can actually be so much greater than we realize. Um, and yeah, there might have been some areas in which there was disagreement, but one, it was not at all that one person's a heretic and one is not. You know, we were two believers, brothers in Christ, that were able to understand, okay, look at how much we do share in common and what we do affirm. And those areas that we don't, uh, we can charitably disagree together. So that's a good comment. Marilyn, yeah. Um, I was thinking you hit the nail on the head, and it's not always possible, but the whole thing is about a relationship. Mm. Being able to understand where another person's coming from. And until you develop that relationship, you don't really always have a voice. And that's where mm. social media comes in, because that relationship, there's nothing like sitting across the table from somebody one-on-one -on -one and looking into their eyes and understanding their body language that goes with what they're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, you can hear statements read out loud on paper. And I think we know this. You can interpret however you want, right? Maybe uh, you, you made some... Exactly. Maybe, you know, you make a, a comment and the person says, well, that's smart, right? <laughs> and you can spend two days thinking, oh, man, is, was that an affirmation? Was, that a, was this person trying to diss me, right? Is this sarcastic? Um, but when you hear it said, right, and again, I don't know if this is fully the truth, but people say 90% of communication is nonverbal, so much of that can be lost, right, if you're just reading a text message. So that's true. Yeah. Um, other thoughts, questions that we have uh, around these topics? I have a question, and I just want maybe some input from some other people. Think the situation that uh, I was in, uh, I was in a shower. Similar to that, and they wanted to say, no, that's not 
exactly. It's it's Jesus that he, you know, but but um, they wanted to be able to say, but this just wasn't the, the timing or mm -hmm. the place. It seemed like. So what what could you do? Hmm. Got any ideas? Okay. Yeah. No. Th th thanks. That situation again and give me a second chance. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. Just yeah, and uh, maybe I'm saying something you disagree with right now, so you're like, "Well, what could I?" Say? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a helpful question. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, um, thoughts. Right. So if I'm understanding the the situation, it's you're hearing something said in a public setting that's unbiblical or untrue, and so do you speak up? Do you not speak up in those moments? Right. Hmm. Which would be a way to possibly defeat what the other person is saying. At least it gives you a basis that's based in truth as opposed to just this is my feeling. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So just the reality that in that moment, you know, you could, right, depending on the context, you know, say, well, um, here's what I think scripture says. And then you can say something that would show what's biblically can I true. Call across the room. No, it's <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, of, of course. Yeah. Good. Yeah, and maybe I would just say to that, it's always that, um, you know, what, what must you do versus what can you do, right? You know, in Christian liberty, um, I, yeah, you know, so I, I think depending on the moment, um, you very much could have, right? And maybe, you know, you were feeling convicted, wanting to share what is biblically true about the nature of salvation, right? So maybe you're already moving forward with wanting to say the truth. Then the whole other sets of questions are, how are you saying what's truthful, right? Is it in the manner in which you're, you know, getting up and saying, well, I think uh, all of you are wrong and here's why and kind of shouting verses, I, I think what can be a very truthful, oh, did you want to? Oh, okay, okay. Yes, uh, wanting to share in a way that is uh, truthful, but also caring and, and loving. So you could also share. There, there's also the element in which we trust in God's sovereignty as well, knowing that even if we do want to share what's truthful and we can, um, we're not called to be the Holy Spirit for every single person, right? And so there's going to be many cases in which we are hearing things that aren't biblical in which for one reason or not, you, you end up just praying for that person, right? And so if you're saying that you've had maybe even two years of wondering in the back of your mind, that I'm not saying 100% sure, but that could even be part of the Lord's conviction that, hey, maybe you should be praying for those people by their face or by their name, that they would know the true gospel. Uh, both of you were going to say something? Well, I was going to, what you had already said was saying what I phrased my hand. Oh, but yes. the thought was is that when you hear something like that, you're not real familiar with people. You know, you can listen and then approach them on a common ground. Uh, if I was in that situation, I might have said, you know what, I used to believe that too until I learned, I read the Bible and I found out and then mm. go to Romans or something, you know, yeah. and then bring it in. Say, but I understand what you're saying, but that's what I used mm. to believe. Yeah, no, that's great. So the common ground there and, yeah. okay. <coughs> Mm. Let me know. And, and just kind of like put it out there 
you know, sometimes if they're trying to open gifts or, you know, it would just disrupt the whole, the whole situation. And um, there's that whole time and place. And thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit and those opportunities that we could just pray that he gives us wisdom. <coughs> We're told if we ask for it, he'll give it to us. Um, but just maybe sometimes even afterwards, you're, you know, you're getting punched or whatever. It's just saying, you know, I... I love this topic, or I'm passionate about it, and mm. I'd love to talk if you ever want to, and then just see mm. what the Lord does with that. Yeah, so that's leaving the invitation that's open there, yeah, right? I like that. And, yeah. I, and I like the, both of your comments, guys, that yeah, it was like identifying, you know, I used to kind of, I'm the way I was taught, too. Mm. You know, something to that effect. Right. We're probably very similar. Yeah, no, exactly. And, uh, yeah, and then follow up with what you said. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe to also tie that in together. I don't know if you still have a relationship with any of those people or, or connections, but you know, besides praying for them, it wouldn't necessarily be too late to say, "Hey, I I remember a great you know group conversation we were having on the subject two years ago. Um, if you ever want to, we'd love to to mention that again." So, yeah, just just a thought. All right, great. Uh, we'd love to hear if there's any other, let's say, more burning questions that you're having around these, you know, topics. You know, because I, I know I held this back for three weeks. So if there were those certain questions you've really just had, we'd love to um, dialogue about that briefly. Yeah. Okay. Um, hopefully, then, is it because some of these principles are making sense? Is it giving some level of clarity? Uh, to these conversations. And, okay. And I would say, as always, again, sometimes it's, it's better and easier to have those one-on-one, -on -one more in-depth conversations. So again, I, to, to your point, if you would like to get coffee, um, talk about this in a little bit more depth. If you do have a specific either case or question that you've been wrestling through that you know can't really be answered in two minutes, I uh, would love to be able to um, offer that as well. So just please let me know if you'd be interested in anything like that. But thank you so much for what you guys have had to say. Um, hopefully this has been helpful. And then we're gonna just do, to finish up our time uh, next week and the week after, two very uh, uncontroversial topics of uh, global warming and then <laughs> uh, the economy. You know, how, What should we think about sharing money and things like that? So uh, that's where we're going. Again, I hope it's gonna be a helpful conversation, but let me just go ahead and finish this up as we typically do uh, with going over a couple of the announcements. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for uh, your time and contribution. Look forward to seeing you next week for our next topic, okay? All right, thank you.